Good morning, and welcome to the Cyber Smart Morning News Update. With the always evolving world of cyber threats and defense, you need a source you can trust. FBI retired Special Agent Darren Mott guides you through today's intricate cyber landscape and brings you the latest headlines and insights and what it means to you. Let's dive into today's cyber news. Good morning, friends. It is Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. This is the Cyber Smart Morning News Update. I am your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott. Since it's Wednesday, that means it's Wednesday Deep Dive, and we are going to look at four stories uh, of varying types and and topics. Um, they were more of an interest to me, and kind of when I do this, it's, it's topics that are of interest to me that I think I can speak to. Um, and so I hope you'll find them interesting. As always, thoughts, comments, and questions are... Uh, welcome to Darren at the cyberguy.com. So let's take a look at the first one from darkreading.com. Nate Nelson reporting Google Cloud's data proc abuse risk endangers corporate data stores. This one is interesting because I wanted to kind of look into this one because obviously a lot of companies are moving to cloud infrastructure, be it AWS, Microsoft, Google, Oracle, whatever. Uh, and so if you are looking to move to the cloud, these are things you need to be aware of. So lackluster security controls and one of Google Cloud's services for data scientists could allow hackers to create applications, execute operations, and access data in internet-facing environments. The issue lies with Google Cloud's DataProc, a managed service for running large-scale data processing and analytics workloads via Apache Hadoop, Spark, and more than 30 other open-source tools and frameworks. A so-called abuse risk to DataProc outlined by the Orca Research Pod on December 12th rest on the presence of two default open firewall ports used by Dataproc. If an attacker is able to achieve initial server compromise in an exposed cloud environment through, let's say, a common misconfiguration, they could take advantage of missing security checks and reach connected resources, such as data scientists' reams of sensitive data. They could also toy with their cloud environments in a myriad of other ways. This is a quote from the article. One can imagine that a data that the data used for analysis is likely to contain proprietary as well as sensitive data, which, if breached, could provide bad actors with customer data, business intelligence, and other data that could be used for competitive analysis, says Roy Nassimi, cloud threat researcher at Orca Security. Data proc issues begin with the fact that there is that that it's two web interfaces used for every master node. Yarn Research Manager on port 8088 and Apache's Hadoop Distributed File System HDFS name node on port 9870 don't require any authentication. The two ports mentioned above are served for all addresses, according to Orca, which means to fully access them, the one single prerequisite is internet access. So one not, uh, one not properly segmented cluster can cause great damage. Uh, and then for a specific potential path, it's fairly simple. And then they kind of talk, they, they show a diagram of that if you want to take a look at it. And the point here being, obviously, is that even if you move your data, and this is for research, this is targeting researchers, right? But my guess is we're going to find other potential risks like this within all of the cloud providers architecture in some way, shape or form, some oddly misfigured setting that will allow a bad guy in. And there's going to have vulnerabilities and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, ideally, Google will find a way to resolve this issue now that it's been identified, but this is one of, it's just the first issue identified. Who doesn't, who, who's to say there aren't a bunch of other issues that will be identified elsewhere that will cause further problems. I apologize for my dog barking in the background. Someone must be walking by the house. So anyway, so that's again, something to think about. And then there's always going to be the, the personal issue here, right? And, and, you know, researchers having their data, you know, having their, their uh, login and access control or access uh, compromised by credit stuffing or whatever, um, which will give um, 
backpackers in and stuff like that. So things to think about if you're going to be a cloud service provider or going to use cloud services, rather, excuse me. Believingcomputer.com. Bill Tolis reporting. Toyota warns customers of data breach exposing personal financial information. Toyota Financial Services is warning customers it suffered a data breach, stating that sensitive personal and financial data was exposed in the attack. Toyota Financial Services, a subsidiary of Toyota Motor Corporation, is a global entity with a presence in 90% of the markets where Toyota sells its cars, providing auto financing to its customers. Last month, the company confirmed it had detected unauthorized access on some of its systems in Europe and Africa, following a claim from Medusa Ransomware about successfully compromising the Japanese automaker's division. The threat actors demanded a payment of $8 million to delete the stolen data and gave Toyota 10 days to respond to their blackmail. At the time, a Toyota spokesperson told Leaping Computer, that the company had detected unauthorized access on some of its systems in Europe and Africa. The company took certain systems offline to contain the breach, which impacted customer services. Presumably, Toyota has not negotiated a ransom payment with the cyber criminals, and currently, all data has been leaked on Medusa's extortion portal on the dark web. So, 2 million users have had their information compromised now. This includes full name, residence address, contract information, lease purchase details, and your international bank account number. So this can be used for phishing, social engineering, scams, financial fraud, even identity thefts. I mean, thumbs up to Toyota for not paying the ransom, right? And this is what law enforcement says, don't pay the ransom. But this is the byproduct of this, is this data gets released, So which is, which is worse. Hard to tell, you gotta kind of make that decision on your, on your own. But um, it, again, it goes to show that Toyota is a large company, one of the top three car manufacturers in the world. And here they are being being compromised because, again, we don't know how, doesn't say why, how, or what the methodology of, of intrusion was, but somebody got in and did something bad. And so, again, it, it, if the large companies are unable to take the right security precautions, if you're a small, medium business, it's going to be that much harder. You need to find help where you can. All right, hackernews.com. This has to do with healthcare. This is uh, the title Unveiling the Cyber Threats to Healthcare Beyond the Myths. Let's begin with a thought-provoking question. Among a credit card number, a social security number, and an electronic health record, which, which commands the highest price on a dark web forum? Surprisingly, it's the electronic health record, and the difference is stark. Health records can sell for up to $1,000 each compared to $5 for a credit card number and $1 for a social security number. The reason is simple. While a credit card can be canceled, your personal data cannot. The significant value parity underscores why the healthcare industry remains a prime target for cyber criminals. The sector's rich repository of sensitive data presents a lucrative opportunity for profit-driven attackers. For 12 years running, healthcare has faced the highest average cost per breach compared to any other sector, exceeding an average of $10 million per breach. It surpasses even the financial sector, which incurs an average cost of around $6 million. The severity of the issue is further illustrated by a more than threefold threshold in reported hacking or IT incidents to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, between 2018 and 2022. The primary the primary adversary in this scenario is the well-known threat, ransomware. This form of cyber attack has increasingly targeted the healthcare sector, exploiting the critical nature of patient care to exert pressure. Ransomware cartels find the healthcare industry an ideal target for several factors. Innovations in medical technology, including diagnostic tools, telemedicine, wearable health devices, and digital imaging, imaging rather, have led to an increased reliance on digital systems. And that kind of goes into that a little bit. Despite these challenges, a situation isn't entirely dire. A key strategy for protecting sensitive data involves adopting the mindset of an attacker. This approach sheds light on the cost-benefit calculus of potential attackers, identifying which assets they may target 
and their likely methods of attack. An important realization in this context is that the nature of threats hasn't necessarily become more sophisticated. Rather, the attack service, the range of potential points of vulnerability, has expanded. By focusing on asset inventory and monitoring the attack service, organizations can gain a strategic advantage. Viewing their own systems from the attacker's perspective enables them to anticipate and counteract potential threats, effectively turning the table on the attackers, which is a good point. Um, but I wonder, can, and hospitals are going to have to do this, but can they afford to do it? And do they have the personnel to be able to do it? That's going to be the problem. I understand what the author here is stating, and it's important because obviously electronic health records have, have a huge amount of value, as noted. And that doesn't mean bad guys are going to stop going after it. I mean, certainly the financial industry does not see a downtick in hacking and ransomware and stuff like that. So, you know, the problem's going to be here that hospitals and medical facilities, as they merge, because there's a lot of merging going on and stuff like that, um, when they merge, they're going to bring in the vulnerabilities in those smaller companies that they're merging with. And if those holes aren't fixed, it allows an attacker to come into the smaller entity and then pivot into the larger entity. So certainly things that the healthcare industry is going to have to deal with, they're going to continue to be the, the, the most targeted entity for the time being. Um, will they find ways to fix it? Um, you know, regulations on reporting aren't going to help with it, but it's going to have to come up with, again, it's going to have to be threat intelligence, sharing of information on those healthcare ent entities that aren't being compromised that are able to ward off the attacks and what are they doing and how can that, inf how can that methodology be passed on to others and then implemented? The last one uh, is from cyber scoop, Christian Vasquez reporting, Harry Coker confirmed to be the next cyber director. The former National Cyber or National Security Agency Executive Director will oversee federal cyber policy as the first Senate confirmed National Cyber Director in 10 months. And I only picked this one simply so I could say, hey, how about that? Harry Coker is the nation's newest cyber director, National Cyber Director. Following a Senate confirmation vote Tuesday, Coker will soon take on the role as the next coach to oversee and coordinate cybersecurity policy across the federal government. The Senate passed his nomination by a 59 to 40 vote. Coker most recently was the executive director at the NSA and continues the trend of NSA alums serving as the nation's top cybersecurity official. How's that been working for us? The office of the national cyber director has gone without a Senate confirmed director for 10 months. Did you know? I did not know. Did it matter? I don't think so. Following the resignation of the inaugural director, Chris Inglis, in late February. Uh, I didn't even know he was the first one, whatever. Kemba Walden took the mantle as acting director. Who cares, whatever. Um, Coker spent 17 years at the CIA in various leadership positions, including the Directorate of Digital Innovation, Directorate of Science and Technology, and the Director's Area, according to a bio at Auburn University's McCray Institute for Cyber and Critical Infrastructure Security, where he's a senior fellow. During his uh, nomination testimony, Coker expressed his appreciation for the existing work, the Office of the National Cyber Director has laid out in its strategy, implementation plan, and national cyber workforce and education strategy. Coker told the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee that he would frankly continue the good work that ONCD has done with its partners. My question, what have they done? I would love to know that. Can someone tell me? So that's my question for you listening. If you're listening and you know what the Office of National Cyber Director has done, how about let me know? I'd love to know what they've done because I don't really see the impact, but that's just me being being uh, negative Nelly here. So I wanted to say that again, just so I could say, hey, Harry Coker conf confirmed as the next national cyber director. Hey, how about that? And that's going to do it for today's deep dive into four stories that were of interest to me. Hopefully you found them 
interesting and at least a little bit entertaining, uh, regardless of the dog barking in the background. As always, if you have thoughts, comments, questions, feel free to email me, Darren at thecyberguy.com. You can follow me on any of my social media. I've said it all the time. You can find it up wherever, subtext, LinkedIn, X, blah, blah, blah. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. We'll be back again tomorrow with a look at probably seven or eight cyber news stories because the cybersecurity issues are never going to stop. And we're here to tell you what they are. Have a great day. CyberSmart Morning News is written and produced by CyberGuy Productions. Feel free to email thoughts, comments, or suggestions to Darren at thecyberguy.com or follow Darren on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Darren Mott. Thanks for listening.